0: Welcome to History Class After Hours. I'm Joseph Barra, and joining me today is Josh. Hey, Another new person. Another newbie. we got all sorts of newbies this season. Fresh blood. <laughs> new perspectives. All right. Today we're going to learn about Benedict Arnold. Again, uh, last week we kind of talked about his life up until probably the moment that most defines him, which is him becoming America's greatest trader. Uh, today, we're going to talk about well, him becoming that trader and his life after it. Uh, so, when we were last talking about Old Benny, uh, he was put in charge of Philadelphia, where he promptly got involved in making profit from the war. And if you remember from last week, uh, most historians look that look at that as a very bad decision by George Washington. Uh, Congress would call him out for his actions, he's basically court-martialed, forced to pay a fine, he feels dishonored, disgraced, all that stuff, but more importantly, George Washington would publicly condemn him for his actions, Um, and if you listen to last week's episode, if you haven't, you should probably go back and listen to it, it'll all make more sense. Um, George Washington was like his lone ally within the Continental Army, within Congress, and now he's lost that too. Well, in Philadelphia, Arnold would marry a lady named Peggy Shippen. Uh, Shippen was from a loyalist family, which makes that interesting because he's a rebel and he's marrying into a prominent loyalist family. Uh, And her family was considered to be like the aristocracy of Philadelphia. They had lots of money. That's probably one thing that attracted Arnold to her because he liked money and he liked prestige. Um, Benedict was 20 years older than her. He was married before. His wife died during the Revolution, early days of the Revolution. Uh, Shippen had previously been courting a man named Major John Andre of the British Army during the occupation of Philadelphia. Keep remember that name. He's going to play a prominent role in this story. Um, He was the head of the British secret service in America. (laughs) Kind of see where this one's going. (laughs) All right. Earlier in the war, he had actually been captured by Arnold's men and held for months as a POW. Uh, While in Philadelphia, Andre actually lived in Ben Franklin's house and supposedly stole very valuable items from the house when the British left the city, including an oil portrait of Franklin, which was eventually returned and now hangs in the White House. It's not known when the two met, but on September 25th, 1778, he writes um, Peggy a love letter. Um, He's not very original though. It's the same letter he used when he had been courting Betsy DeBloy about a year earlier. He's just recycling material here. Uh, He would also write to Shippen's father. Our difference in political sentiments will, I hope, be no bar to my happiness. I flatter myself the time is at hand when our unhappy contest will be at an end. So what you're seeing is as Congress and the Continental Army starts souring on Benedict Arnold, Arnold starts souring on the idea of the revolution. He's like, and this thing needs, yeah, we should probably end this thing. He would also assure him that he was wealthy enough to take care of Peggy and had no expectations of getting a dowry. So he's basically telling Pops, I love your daughter. I don't want your money. I got plenty of my own. Because this is during kind of the heat of his war racketeering. So he is making lots of money, but he's going to lose it all. Shippen and Arnold will get married in the spring of 1779. Um, Even though she was married, she still remained in touch with Andre. I, I would have to think if this was a modern day marriage that would break all sorts of national security laws, where one of your top generals is marrying or still communicating with a spy, the head of a spy ring of a enemy
1: like that might be a little bit of a
0: problem. Yeah, I think there might be some conflicts of interest going on there. Well, it was illegal because he was in the British army, but no one really knew what his role was in the British army. Uh, In order to impress Shippen's family, Arnold would take out a 12,000 pound loan and bought Mount Pleasant. Mount Pleasant was a 96 acre estate with a very large mansion on it. Uh, Even though he bought it, him and Peggy could not actually live in it because he had no money to pay off the mortgage. So he had to rent it out. (laughs) That's like... Might have jumped, skipped some steps to get there. It's like your parents buying you a car for your 16th birthday and being like, oh, sorry, you can't drive it. I'm giving it to someone. I'm giving it to grandma. You can't drive it. We haven't paid it off yet. Um, Knowing of the troubles that Arnold was facing socially and financially, Washington would seek a new way to help him. Remember, um, Arnold constantly was battling with people within the military, people within Congress, and he had this... It was a cycle. It was like, all right, I do something. Don't get credit for it. I quit. George Washington begs me to come back. I come back. Do something. Don't get credit for it. Quit. George Washington. It it happened like several times. Well, he's going to try this again. Um, He would write, as far as it shall be in my power, I myself will furnish you with opportunities for regaining the esteem which you have formerly enjoyed. Uh, Washington wanted to give Arnold a new command where he can distinguish himself in battle once again and make the country forget about all his issues in Philadelphia. What Washington was unaware of, though, was that Arnold was already past the point of no return, and he had given up on the idea of independence. <laughs> um, he he really hated Congress, and he was so despised by Congress. He's like, I don't want to be in a country where these people are in charge. Uh, While Arnold was going through his court-martial, he would proclaim his loyalty to the cause, which was a lie. If you remember from last week, he actually took an oath at Valley Forge at one point. Uh, The trial and previous transgressions, though, had soured him on the leaders of the revolution. He believed they were unworthy and only creating a country in which they could dominate it. He was also uneasy with the French, because apparently he hated them for some reason. I couldn't find a reason (laughs) why, but he just didn't like them. Seems like he doesn't like a lot of people. He doesn't like yeah. He's a very hard person to get along with. Uh, Arnold also believed that the revolution was starting to falter and that his defection would attract others to do the same, which would help bring the war to an end. And and then he would be on the winning side. (laughs) That's the other big thing. Um, Most historians believe that the British made the first move in turning Arnold though. It was actually not uncommon for the British army to test the loyalty of revolutionary leaders to the causes in order to end the conflict. Um, Arnold was obviously a target because of his public feuds with Congress and other military leaders. Like I said, those were quite public. They were like in newspapers and things like that. Um, also, it was well known that he was becoming disillusioned with the causes. Because remember, he's hanging out with loyalists in Philadelphia, because his in-laws are loyalists. And they're like, you know what? Our son-in-law isn't very happy. And they just, they just that information um in may of 1779 colonel beverly robinson who was a recruited loyalist to fight would write to arnold the exhausted colonies cannot much longer sustain the unequal contest every reason presses us to put an end to this unhappy discord we must see a reunion without shedding any more blood and this is going to strike a chord with arnold and he's like yeah i agree with you man um He then, um, Arnold would then approach Philadelphia Loyalist Joseph Stansberry to carry a message to Henry Clinton in New York. Um, Henry Clinton was in charge of British forces in America at this point. Henry Clinton liked New York so much so that he never really wants to leave it. But Stansberry owned a glass and china shop, routinely would go back and forth between New York and Philadelphia for trade, so that didn't look out of the norm. Uh, He would then talk to John Andre, who was already monitoring Arnold's situation, probably because he was getting some intelligence from his wife. (laughs) Just throwing that out there. As intrigued as Clinton and Andre were, they were also suspicious of his intentions. Uh, To test how serious Arnold was in defecting, Clinton is going to put him to a test. Uh, He would let it be known that he did not want Arnold to defect. Rather, he wanted him to work as a double agent undermining the American cause by feeding Clinton vital information. He's like, I can use this guy, rather than have this guy fight for us, he's a lot more use if he is able to sit in these meetings with Washington and give us information about what's going on. Um, To prove how serious he was, Arnold would go along with the scheme while trying to get Clinton to promise him 10,000 pounds if he defected. Clinton would hesitate at the amount of money because it was a small fortune for the time. However, he did not want to lose Arnold, so he would promise him that. He would not promise him the 10,000 pounds. He just said, you will be rewarded.
1: Uh, Leave that open to interpretation.
0: Yes, what a move. Arnold would take on the codename Gustavus, which is interesting because that's a French name, and he hated French. But anyway, uh, he developed an elaborate system for exchanging coded messages with Andre. Both men had a copy of a book called... um, Blackstone's commentaries. It was the fifth Oxford edition, volume one. Should look that up, see what that book's about. Each word in an encoded message consisted of three numbers, page number, line number and word number. So basically, they were just handing pieces of paper back and forth with numbers on them. And they lined up the numbers, to the proper word within a paragraph within a page, and then they would just have to write those words down to make sentences. Um, Using the system, Arnold would provide information on troop numbers and movements. Uh, The information was vital to England because they had a really hard time gathering intelligence.
1: Why is that? No
0: one really wanted to help them. (laughs) Yeah, by this point, most most colonists were like, yeah, you guys are. Arnold was not the only prominent revolutionary figure uh, flip-flopping sides. Ethan Allen, remember from the previous episode, who shockingly enough, Arnold butted heads with, would offer to deliver Vermont to the king in exchange for money. Ethan Allen was broke. He needed money. All right. Um, Ethan Allen, at one point, I think he declares war on New York
1: during the American Revolution like, for Vermont. Oh, like, he? I thought it was like he himself declared war. Like the,
0: great, the Green Mountain Boys did. Like, it was like a secessionist movement. Because Vermont was part of New York, and he's like, ah, oh, I want Vermont. And then promised to hand it over to the king. how that work? Uh, Washington's second-in-command, Charles Lee, was constantly in talk with the British, uh, trying to find a peaceful solution. Well, if you know anything about Charles Lee, that is not surprising, given his war conduct. Charles Lee is going to be court-martialed for uh, cowardice. Because during the Battle of Monmouth Courthouse, he just runs away. And his troops were like, where's he going? (laughs) Yeah, it was a bad scene. Oh,
1: it wasn't a full retreat? It was just him leaving?
0: Yeah. And then his men are like, Oh. What do we do now? Um, British even believed that Washington himself could be bought with title and position, and that was because his mother was a loyalist. Another oh. example is James Wilson, who went from signer of the Declaration of, of Independence to enemy of the people. Uh, a mob turned on him because they believed he was hoarding supplies and preventing the Continentals, that vital equipment. So they tarred and feathered him. Was he? Probably, Yeah. Okay. Arnold defended Wilson, which in turn changed public opinion on Arnold for being a loyalist. Probably hurt Arnold's feelings. Both sides had their own spy networks. We have a previous episode on this. I believe it's called Espionage or Spies of the American Revolution. So you have John Andre leading the British uh, network, while Paul Revere is leading the American network. By the summer of 1780, Arnold had decided to fully defect and doing so, handing over valuable assets to the British. Arnold was well enough at the point to rejoin activity. Remember, he had gotten shot a couple times. He fell off a horse. Horse fell on him, snapped his leg in half. Now one leg was longer than the other. That's one of the reasons why he was put in Philadelphia, so he could still have like a command, but he could rest there. But uh-huh. now he was, he's, he's fully ready to go. He's ready to get in the front lines. Um, he's going to big Washington to make him the commander of West Point. West Point was a vital fort at this time. It wasn't a military academy yet. It guarded the Hudson. Basically that was the last stronghold between Canada and New York, New York city. Pretty important. Um, Arnold had drawn strong interest from the British in proposing to deliver the fort. Um, the fort was in serious disrepair and Arnold said, George, put me in charge of this. I got this. I'll fix this. I'll make it look like a fort again. Reality. He had no plans on doing so. Um, because he was negotiating a selling price. Uh, he began dealing with Andre to ensure the fort's defenses were down so the British could capture it quite easily as well as defenders. On September 15th, though, the stakes got even higher when Arnold received word that Washington would be passing by and spending the night at West Point on September 24th. If Arnold could deliver Washington, he could make more money. Because Not only is he delivering a fort, he's delivering the commander of the continental army he would write to andre general washington will be at king's ferry sunday evening next on his way to hartford where he is to meet the french admiral and general will lodge at peak's kill it's so not like will he be able to get washington i'm assuming that's either rochambeau or lafayette and the grass are with him as well so these are like the big wigs <laughs> Upon that information, it was agreed upon that Andre would sail up to Hudson near the fort, meet Arnold, and make the final arrangements to hand over the fort and Washington. The meeting was supposed to happen on the boat, but the meeting was scrapped. Andre would instead come on shore in civilian dress to meet Arnold. Uh, this is going to make the mission more dangerous for Andre because now he could be tried for a spy if caught because he was wearing civilian clothing and not military uniform. That was like the rules of war back then. If, if he was spying, but he was wearing a military uniform, that was okay.
1: If he was spying, but he made it obvious he was spying. Yes.
0: Then you were just gathering intelligence. But once you put on civilian clothing, that made you a coward and a spy and they'd hang you. Um, if you go back and listen to one of our previous episodes, I forgot the guy's name, but he was basically a officer within the Continental Army. He got captured in New York. Uh, during the battle of Long Island, he gets paroled, which means he's allowed to freely move. And then basically that also means he, he guarantees I'm not fighting anymore. Once you let me go, I'm not fighting anymore. So once he's paroled, he just walks down the streets in his uniform, collecting information and sending it to Washington. But that was okay because he was in uniform. So he's not trying to hide it. <laughs> Andre was trying to hide it. Um, the meeting, which stretched over several nights, revolved around money and arrangements. Andre was sent back to the British lines with Arnold's final offer. Just as Andre was about to get back to British lines, he is going to be captured by three unsuspecting militiamen. They found incriminating documents on Andre with Arnold's name on it. They're like, why do you have the blueprints to West Point? This doesn't make sense. These are obviously General Arnold's because his names are on them. Wait, you stole them from him. How dare you, sir?
1: Weren't they, like, not even looking for him? No, they were just like. They just kind of found him. They're at, like, a checkpoint, yeah. They're just like, oh, there's this now.
0: So believing that the documents are Arnold's, they give them back. Oh. They're like, here, Benny, got something for you. This guy stole them. He obviously didn't do it on purpose. (laughs) Washington would not make it to West Point on the night of September 24th. He would send a message to Arnold that he would be there in time for breakfast, though, on the 25th. Arnold waited anxiously assuming that Andre had gotten across the lines and the plans of treason were in action. So basically Arnold doesn't know that Andre has been captured and he, he's just waiting for this to happen. And he's like, crap, Washington is not going to be here when he said he's going to be here. I hope the British don't arrive too early. Uh, this is all going wrong. This is all going wrong. Um, Alexander Hamilton is going to be the first to arrive and he lets Arnold know that Washington has been further delayed, and now he won't be there until lunch. Around this time, a messenger arrives with a package from Arnold. It's those documents. And he's like, oh, no. <laughs> How'd they get these? Um, and he basically is, he gets it, and he's like, um, it's kind of like one of these moves. Like, I got to go to the bathroom. And he just never comes back, oh. leaving his wife on.
1: Oh,
0: so he promptly excused himself and told Peggy that they had been discovered. He then rode to the river, stole a boat, rode to the British ship that was supposed to be picking him up anyway, and left his pregnant wife behind. All right, Back on shore, no one had any idea what was going on. Most people didn't even know that Arnold had left. Um, Washington was still expecting to have a late lunch with them. When arriving at their house, he was told Peggy was indisposed at the moment, so he went back to his quarters to relax, to get washed up, get a change of clothing... Um, as Lafayette was doing the same thing, Hamilton ran into the room with the request he attend an officer meeting at once. Lafayette found Washington trembling with emotions and a packet of papers in his hand saying, Arnold has betrayed us. Who can we trust now? Then they went to Arnold's house where they found Peggy in her upstairs room. she This is up for interpretation, whether or not she was actually hysterical or acting hysterical. I have to believe she was acting hysterical. Um, she can. She convinced him that she had known nothing about Arnold's treasonous intentions, and the shock made her crazy, okay. which I find that hard to believe, saying she was in direct contact with Andre, and she probably helped kind of with the meetings and all that. Yeah. All the logistics. Behind yeah. It. Hamilton would write to his girlfriend. Apparently, Hamilton had a little bit of a crush on Peggy. Oh. He wrote to his girlfriend, could I forgive Arnold for sacrificing honor, reputation, and duty? I could not forgive him for acting a part that must have forfeited the esteem of such a fine woman he wrote that to his girl he wrote that to his girlfriend yeah and she what she think i don't know that? i didn't see the response uh reactions were for the most part unanimous especially amongst the colonists ben franklin who was in paris right his character is in sight of all europe already on the gibbet which means gallows uh-huh. will hang there will we'll hang there in chains for ages He would also write, Judas sold only one man. Arnold sold three million. Jeez. So he's comparing him to Judas. Thomas Jefferson is a little more extreme. He wanted to put a price on Arnold's head and wanted him exhibited as a public spectacle of
1: infamy. Was that just like beat him in public?
0: I'm assuming that's like behead him and then parade his head around and like put it on a stake and just let it sit there for a while, like old school medieval. Like the French Revolution? Yeah. Oh, he is a, Jefferson has a lot of ties to the French Revolution. <laughs> Maybe he gave them some ideas. <laughs> All across the colonies, effigies of Arnold burned. Public references to his name were destroyed, including the tombstones of his ancestors in New Haven and Rhode Island. So now they're just going around destroying anything with the name of Arnold on it. That is quite the reaction. Even the Br- British reaction though is like lukewarm at best. They're like, hey, uh, M. <laughs> <laughs>
1: we can get him no one
0: else i mean apparently they're like yay we got their best general but obviously this man has shameful character cuz he's treasonist remember honor is a big thing back then and that's like treason's like the worst of the worst isn't that one of the uh uh, uh dante's inferno and from one of the layers isn't like treason like the worst one
1: i think it's one of them I don't remember, but it's definitely down. Yeah, like, there's
0: yeah. seven layers of hell for, like, different sins and, like, treasonous.
1: I think it's, like, number one. It's big. It's big. It's, it's on there. Yeah, there's yeah. nine, and it's the it, lowest. That's I mean, weird. Sure. It's kind of weird, like, they were <clears throat> mad at him for betraying his people when they were trying to get him to betray that's
0: how That's how much honor meant, though. Like, this man is clearly dishonorable. <laughs> that's why they would, like... It was okay to spy in uniform because you're proud, you're out in the open. But if you're, as soon as you change it into a civilian uniform, you're being a coward, I'm trying being
1: to hide a, it. No one can be a coward back then.
0: Uh, once Arnold was safely in British hands, he would write two letters. One to Peggy to see if she was safe. Oh, that was nice of him. The other to Washington, where he was trying to justify his defection. Uh, the, he wrote, The here which is conscious of its own rectitude cannot attempt to palliate a step which the world may censor as wrong. I never acted from a principle of love to my country since the commencement of the present unhappy contest between Great Britain and the colonies. The same principle of love to my country um, actuates my present conduct. However, it may appear inconsistent to the world, who very seldom judge right of any man's actions. Man, that's quite the... Did you say he never loved his country? Um, that's, that's kind of the tricky thing, though, because... You got to remember that start of the American Revolution there aren't, there aren't there's no such thing as Americans. Yes, They're still referring to themselves as British. Yeah. So, so like who is he talking about there? It's but basically he's saying the public is stupid. They have no they can't judge men's character anyway. So just yeah. Uh-huh. Well for John Andre though his days are going to be numbered. He was tried, found guilty of being a spy and sentenced to execution by hanging. He begged to be executed like a soldier by firing squad. Arnold even threatened that if he were executed, American blood would flow. Ooh. Well, he's executed. Um, they hang him. And I like, it's a weird, weird thing. It's like men are crying. Like, Continentals who are, like, watching this are crying because Andre had left, like, such a grand impression on them. They're like, no finer man has ever died. Isn't on- And Andre was just pretty popular, wasn't he? Yeah, yeah, he was. He was also quite the artiste, I believe. Uh, Washington personally is going to put a price on Arnold's head. Arnold would escape death a couple times. Arnold then went to Clinton to receive his reward. He wanted his 10,000 pounds. Instead, he got 6,000, a commission in the Army, which would pay him 650 pounds annually. What he received was far less than the property he lost and the debt that he had. So he literally got nothing out of this. Arnold was eventually given command of the American Legion, which were like a bunch of American military defectors and they really didn't amount to anything. Um, Then he would be given command of an elite group of Virginia Loyalists and troops of the Queens Rangers, which were an offshoot of Rogers Rangers, which is considered the precursor to the American Army Rangers. So were were his troops any good? Uh, They were decent. They ravaged Virginia and almost capture Thomas Jefferson. Oh. And I think they burn Richmond. So Richmond gets burned for the first time. And they just go, yeah. Uh, He would then go on to destroy New London, Connecticut, which was only a couple miles from where he grew up. So he doesn't even care anymore. In 1781, him and his family would travel to London. He would urge the government to send large armies to the colonies. But by this point, British opinion on the war had soured. Arnold was soon to find out that he was shunned by most of British society. He became a symbol of a failed policy. Uh, He would be denied positions in army and business. Like his face became like the reminder of what we just lost. And everyone's like, we hate you. So he gets nothing from this. (laughs) So he gets absolutely nothing. Um, So he found it impossible to support his large family in London. I think he has five kids who Peggy promptly calls leeches. She writes a letter, to like a friend, like writes her a letter and is like, oh, do you two plan on have, having any more children? She's like, no, I do not want any more leeches sucking the life out of me or something like that. Goodness. Yeah, great mother there. Uh, in 1785, Arnold and his son Richard moved to St. John, New Brunswick, where they speculated in land and established a business doing trade it with the West Indies. Um, so all the loyalists in the United States, after the war, they go to Canada huh. because... Canada still part of the, uh, the British Empire. Arnold purchased large tracts of land and acquired um, basically city lots in some other cities. Delivery of his first ship, the Lord Sheffield, was accompanied by accusations from the builder that Arnold had cheated him. Arnold claimed that he had merely deducted the contractually agreed amount when the ship was delivered late. Once again, it just seems like a very hard... He's got a lot of conflicts with people. He's, he's not a real... Good people person.
1: Did anyone get along with him?
0: Not really. <laughs> after his after her first voyage, Arnold returned to London in 1786 to bring his family to St. John. While there, he uh, disentangled himself from a lawsuit over unpaid debt that Peggy had been fighting while he was away. Um, he had twelve thousand dollars, he took out a twelve thousand dollar loan and couldn't pay it back. He only paid nine hundred dollars on it. Nine hundred pounds. So yeah, he was he was well in debt. Family moved to St. John in 1787 where Arnold created an uproar with a series of bad business deals and petty lawsuits. Most ser- serious serious of these was a slander suit which he won against a former business partner. And following this, people burned him in effigy once again in front of his house as Peggy and the children watched. The family left St. John, went back to London. Uh, while in London, Arnold's going to fight a bloodless duel with the Earl of Lauderdale after the Earl... Um, Dishonored him somehow. Once Still. again, he's involved in another duel. Uh, with the outbreak of the French Revolution, Arnold outfitted a privateer while continuing to do business in the West Indies, even though the hostilities increased the risk. He was imprisoned by French authorities on Guadalupe amid acquisitions of spying for the British and narrowly eluded hanging by escaping to the blockading British fleet after bribing his guards. Oh, those are some good guards. Uh, he helped organize militia forces in the British-held islands, receiving praise from the landowners, primarily in Jamaica. Um, he hoped that work would earn him great respect and a new command. Instead, it earned him a land grant in Upper Canada.
1: That's it. <laughs>
0: That's it. In January 1801, Benedict Arnold's health began to fail. He suffered from gout since 1777. All those leg injuries probably didn't help. Um and it, it was it was so bad he couldn't go out to sea anymore. The other leg ached constantly, and he walked with a cane. I wonder if that had was some from overcompensation. Yeah. Like, did the other leg start hurting because the other one was shorter, yeah, and it was just <laughs> causing his gait to be weird? I don't know. His uh, physicians diagnosed him with, with having dropsy, and a visit to the countryside only temporarily improved his condition. He died after four days of delirium on June 14, 1801, at the age of 60. Legend is it that when he was on his deathbed, he said, let me die in this old uniform in which I fought my battles. May God forgive me for ever having put on another. But this story may just be fake. He's going to be buried in St. Mary's Church in london england as a result of a clerical error though his remains were removed to an unmarked grave during church renovations a little bit later they still didn't like him. Uh, his funeral possession boasted several seven mourning coaches and four state carriages the funeral though was without military honors arnold left a small state in size by his debts which peggy undertook to clear Among his bequests were considerable gifts to one John Sage, perhaps an illegitimate son or grandson. Ah. Uh, So today in the US, his name has been etched out of most monuments. Um, His name literally means traitor in the United States. If you call someone a Benedict Arnold, they've backstabbed you. Uh, The boot monument at Saratoga National Park pays tribute to Arnold, but does not mention his name. And more so just pays tribute to his leg that got snapped <laughs> uh it was donated by civil war general john watts despite the paster um an inscription reads in memory of the most brilliant soldier of the continental army who was desperately wounded on the spot winning for his countrymen the decisive, decisive battle of the american revolution and for himself the ranked major general but does not mention his name it's like that guy from harry potter what's his name not, what's the bad guy's name that you Voldemort. don't mention? Voldemort. Voldemort. You don't mention Voldemort. You can't don't say his name. You can't say his name. He's going to come back and <laughs> be a traitor. Uh, Victory Monument at Saratoga has four uh, basically corners, three of which are occupied by General Gates, General Shuler, and Daniel Morgan. The fourth corner is empty. Oh. That was supposed to be for Benedict ben but there it is. There are plaques on the grounds of the United States Military Academy at West Point, which he tried to hand over, uh, commemorating all the generals who served in the Revolution. One is empty, though
1: Benedict Arnold. Benedict Arnold.
0: All it says is Major General born
1: 1740.
0: Oh. So that is how Benedict Arnold becomes America's greatest traitor. Thank you for listening.